and it's food. Food, that was the theme this morning. And um, Oh, by the way, I'm Martin, just in case you didn't know who I am. I'm the minister of Holy Baptist Church, this church. And uh, I'm just going to speak for the next ooh, hour um, uh, about the marvellous picnic. And I like food. I've got a real thing about food. I know, I know not everyone... Well, everyone realises that we need food, but for some people food is, you know, it's just something I need to have to fill me up, or I don't mind what it is as long as there's lots of it and it's cheap. Some people take that particular view. Um, I, for me, I have special memories around foods. I like to travel around the world and try different foods. So I remember the first Caesar salad I had in Toronto. I remember the pizza I had in Venice. I remember the paella in Barcelona. It's amazing how I remember these uh, things. I remember the grilled meat with couscous and bits of lung in uh, Varna in Bulgaria. I remember the roast, slow roast pork belly in Orford. For me, I love food. I'm a bit of a foodie. I like to cook. I like to, does anyone here like to watch recipe programs, watch other people cook on TV? Yes. Yeah, I like doing that. And I reckon that Jesus was a bit of a foodie as well. If you read the Gospels about the story of Jesus Christ, particularly if you look at Luke's Gospel, you will see that Jesus was really into eating foods. As Robert Karras in his book, Eating Your Way Through Luke's Gospel, wrote, in Luke's Gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. It gives me a vision of Jesus being absolutely huge, but I very much doubt he he was. But a lot of Jesus' ministry revolved around foods. In fact, Jesus got a bit of a reputation, and where people were calling him a glutton and a drunkard. He ate too much, he drank too much. That was the sort of reputation that Jesus was getting. And he wasn't particularly helped by the sort of people he was eating with. The tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes. And the low lives. Jesus wasn't, talked, wasn't eating with those people that maybe the more respectable religious people thought that he should be eating with. And then we get to this story that we've just heard, the marvellous picnic from Luke chapter 9 verses 10 to 17. And we know that this story must be a really important story because it's found in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And what we found in the gospel is that Jesus and his disciples were doing amazing things. It's said in the story, Jesus and his disciples were healing people. People were flocking to him in crowds, not just to hear what he had to say, but also to see what he was going to do. Because they'd heard amazing things about Jesus. In fact, even the king, King Herod, was asking the question, who is this man? Who is this Jesus? You see, a lot of this story is about identity. It's not just about feeding lots of people. It's about identifying who Jesus was. And just, literally just before this story in Luke's Gospel, King Herod is asking that question. And at the end of that story, Jesus' disciples answer that question. But for those who were there experiencing that healing and hearing that that speaking and seeing that miracle of those 5,000 men, there was probably a lot more than that, fed with, uh, is it five loaves and two fishes? I always get it muddled up. 
See, they would have, for them, that would have had echoes. It would have reminded them of things from the past. They would have been reminded of Moses, who led the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. And they were wandering around in the wilderness. They didn't have enough foods. And God provided manna from heaven. They would have been reminded of Elisha, one of the prophets from the Old Testament, the successor of Elijah, who when faced with 20 hundred, uh, 20 hundred, no, that's round, I've got a hundred loaves and 20 men, it's a hundred men, hungry men, provided for, I can't speak, what is going on? Start again. A hundred hungry men were fed with 20 loaves and there was still stuff left over. So they would have been reminded of that particular story that they would have been familiar with. But also there is more to that because the nation of Israel, the people of Israel were looking forward to a time when God's kingdom would come. When God would come along and make everything right because things were not right for the nation of Israel. They were occupied by the Romans. They were a defeated nation and they were looking forward to a time when God would come and lift them out of the mess and make them great Again, in fact, they were looking for this mysterious figure, this Messiah, this Christ, someone that would bring God's kingdom into fruition. And there's a particular passage, the prophets talk about the Messiah all the time. There's a particular passage in Isaiah, chapter 25 and verses 6 to 9. And it talks about what this God's kingdom will look like, what will heaven look like when the Messiah comes. It says, on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wine. Now, I like wine in moderation, I hasten to add. I like finest meats, even if it is popular to be vegan at the moment. And I must admit, that picture of heaven, that picture of God's kingdom coming is much more appealing to me than maybe playing a harp on a cloud somewhere. I like this idea of being sat in front of the best foods ever. And what Jesus is pointing towards in this feeding of 5,000 people is saying, I'm just going to give you an experience, just a small slice of what heaven is going to be like, what God's kingdom is going to be like. And there's two things that come out of Jesus' ministry pointing towards God's kingdom and saying it's going to be coming now. And one thing is extravagance. You may recall a story from John's Gospel which John refers to as a sign of God's kingdom coming when Jesus is at a wedding in Canaan and they run out of wine, which is a really bad thing to do at a party, if you go to the sort of parties I do. And... um, Mary says, that just ask my son, he will sort it out. And Jesus turns what into wine? Water. He takes ordinary water and turns it into wine. And is it just cheap old wine you get from Aldi? No, it's the best wine they'd ever tasted. It was like, why have you left the best wine till the end? Normally we have this at the beginning. See, Jesus, Jesus is extravagant in what he does. He doesn't give you the cheap stuff, just the stuff you need, but no more. He gives you the best the best wine, the best foods. And also there's abundance. See, when Jesus fed these 5,000 plus people, he had food left over. 
Now, I don't know if you've ever been to maybe a particular uh, someone, you might have them in mind, you've gone there for a meal, and you think, oh, I'm really looking forward to this meal. You starve yourself during the day. They bring out the meal, you're sitting there, and you're looking at it going, that's not going to be enough. And you're thinking, oh dear. And you're trying, you, know, you don't want to take too much because it's not going to go around. And it, it, does, it does go around. Everyone has enough, but there's no seconds. There's no leftovers. So do you cater when you cater for the, the number you've got or do you make sure I've got plenty because I don't want to run out? See, Jesus had 12 basketfuls of food left over. That may seem wasteful, but God is saying, Jesus is saying very, something very important about God's kingdom is that there is abundance. There is more than enough. There's more than enough to feed everyone. There is plenty left over because we have a God. We worship a God that we can trust and we can follow whose resources will never run out. So, as I come to a close, what is our response to this? See, I believe sincerely that as followers of Jesus Christ, The Bible tells us that we are citizens of a different kingdom. We may be in this world, but we are not part of this world. If you were to get our passport out, it doesn't say Great Britain or whatever country. Actually, our spiritual passport says we are citizens of God's kingdom. And there will be a time when God's kingdom will come in a most powerful way and everyone will know about it. And we will spend eternity with God, hopefully eating fine wi- drinking fine wine and fine meat, unless you're vegetarian. But there is a possibility for us to not only experience God's kingdom in the here and now, but also demonstrate to others God's kingdom in the here and now. And that what we do as followers of Jesus Christ as citizens of God's kingdom, what we do is far more important than what we say. We can tell the story of Jesus providing food for all those people that were hungry. But actually it's far more important if we take Jesus' example, we run with it and we do it. And actually what we see in the food bank is that miracle in our here and now. As Diane has spoken about, we need something you provide. And that's such an important part of being church, about being citizens of God's kingdom, about being followers of Jesus Christ, is that we perform that miracle in our here and now, that we provide food for those that need it the most. And we do that extravagantly and we do that abundantly. We go over the top with our generosity We don't just provide just about what people need because we believe in a God that gives us far more than we need, far more than we could even ask for. Do we imitate that God in the way that we live out our lives as followers of Jesus Christ? See, I just want to say a big thank you to all of those who live your life in extravagance and abundance, not for yourself, but in generosity to others. I want to say thank you to all of those, all of you who are involved in the food bank, who give your time and your energy to love and serve those people that need love. They need help. I want to thank all of you who, on your weekly or monthly shop, 
get a bit of extra food and pop it in the basket or pop it in the, the bins in the churches to give out to those people that need food. Because I believe wholeheartedly that we need to demonstrate God's kingdom. That just as Jesus demonstrated something of God's kingdom, something of heaven in feeding 5,000, that we're called to do the same. Let's just be quiet for a moment. I just want you to think of the ways that God has been extravagantly and abundantly generous to you. And maybe you just want to take time out to say thank you to God now. And then I want you to ask yourself the question, if I worship and follow a God that is like that, how is that demonstrated in my own walk and my own life? And then maybe just ask God to reveal to you those ways in which you can be extravagant and generous with your time, your energy, your money, your resources and how you can demonstrate something of God's kingdom in the here and now. Right, we're going to stand and sing our final uh, song together.